May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart always be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. <laughs> I have to say I love <laughs> the, the ending of that uh, gospel passage and how quickly it turns from, wow, this guy is great, to what? I'm going to throw this guy off a cliff. <laughs> But anyway, um, this morning, uh, brothers and sisters, I would like to us to uh, sort of wrap our, our, our heads around a, a, a particular conception. And this is to, uh, to consider the, the, the therapeutic nature of Scripture and the Gospel as it is revealed to us in the passage there from Corinthians and also the sacred medicine that we receive in Holy Communion. The doctor is in, brothers and sisters. Jesus Christ, the great physician and healer of our souls, is here and present right now. So shortly, we will be invited to come and receive our medicine. Whether you are beset by spiritual ills and troubles or find your soul blessed for the time being with good health, come and receive the healing medicine of Jesus Christ. For the doctor is in. As they say, an ounce of prevention, which is about what a wafer weighs perhaps, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Unfortunately, the Christians in Corinth, whom we encounter in today's epistle, didn't know of that adage. Or if they did, they didn't pay it any mind. For they were a sick congregation, infected by multiple contagions. Pride, permissiveness, disrespect of the Lord's table, being just a few. They had, in a sense, a collective high fever was made worse by their hardened hearts. Imagine the congregation is bedridden and is sinking fast. And then someone from Chloe's group gets in touch with Paul. Help! Help us! We are fading. And he responds with the letter that we have today. Think of it. This letter, this epistle, as an old-fashioned house call from across the Aegean made by Jesus Christ through St. Paul. Imagine, if you will, that, that the letter is the, um, the, the physician's little black bag containing various types of medicine. For the struggling, those who were trying to understand the resurrection, there was chapter 15. For those who made a mess of the Lord's Supper, there was chapter 11. For all of us, there is chapter 13, which we heard a few minutes ago. It is there to humble us, to remind us of the core principle and prime motivator of Christian discipleship, that being love. Paul's words are timeless. His concepts are breathtaking. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. If I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. Sit with that. 
just with that idea. If I have all faith so as to remove mountains, Mount Everest, Mount Hood, Mount St. Helens, if I have that faith and I can remove a mountain but do not have love, I am nothing. These are the words of a man, just like you and us, just like me, a man, a human being, who had been flogged and jailed in Philippi. He had been stoned in Derby, dragged out of the town and left for dead, and yet he speaks of love. And not of any sort of romantic or fleeting love. His is not a passing fancy or infatuation. This is the love that willingly goes to the cross. This is the love that endures the pains of life, that takes on the blows of hatred and does not break. This is the love that we say that knows no limits or divisions. A love that can destroy and crush the gods of war and reconcile the foes. That is what he speaks of. That is what a young boy, 14 years old, reflected on. Here are his words written during the Lebanese Civil War as it reflects on this epistle from St. Paul. I woke up at the sound of the big guns and asked myself, how can a young man stand behind a gun and fire all those rockets at us? Then in the midst of the sound of thundering guns, from the depths of my despair and pain, I finally understood if I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, I am but sounding brass, like the empty shell cases of the big guns. Love alone can bear the burden of the living, for it bears all things. Life is the realm of love which overcomes death. Reflections of a 14-year-old on chapter 13 of Paul's letter to the epistles, rather, his to the Corinthians. We say that God is love, and since he is eternal, then so too is his love eternal, manifested in the world of time by Jesus Christ, and poured into our hearts through the gift of the Holy Spirit. Faith, hope, and love abide. These three, and the greatest of these, is love. As I said, Paul wrote these words to heal a sick congregation. For some, they were like the soothing oil that the Good Samaritan poured on the wounded traveler. While for others, they cut deep like the expertly wielded scalpel of a surgeon. Indeed, says the writer of the Hebrews, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It is able to judge and convict. It is able to humble and correct. Paul writes, love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. You can imagine how those words must have sounded to those Corinthians who prided themselves on being able to speak in tongues. Or for the rich 
who wolfed down their sumptuous meals quickly before the poor showed up for the Lord's Supper. Or how those same words sounded to the same poor who seethed with resentment over what was happening. The exact circumstances in Corinth from 2,000 years ago may be different and may be peculiar for us, but the spiritual maladies are familiar. Churches break up over music, sexual identity, over control of ministries, adoration of priests, anxiety of the bottom line. The troubles in Corinth have not gone away. They've merely been transformed, leaving us in constant need of healing, booster shots, if you will, of grace in the Holy Spirit. Was Paul's letter well received? We do not know. The gospel tells us that even the words of Jesus Christ can be rejected. The people of Nazareth, as we just heard in that passage, almost threw the great physician off of a cliff. And in our own lives, we oftentimes have no interest whatsoever in following our doctor's orders. We have our own ideas and our own remedies. Maybe we don't like the taste of what is being offered, what is being laid before us. And no matter how many times you may hear, this is the word of God, or how many times you may hear, this is good for you, we'll scrunch up our faces and shake our heads, ready to gag. I remember when, when I was a kid, they, uh, my parents used to give me castor oil. Anybody had that? Right? Castor oil is thick substance, right? They called it medicine. And I gagged. This is good for you. The Corinthians had a tough pill to swallow in this letter. But they must have taken it to heart because the letter survives. And chapter 13's wisdom and teaching continue to challenge and inspire, to ground us in a radical way of looking at the world and of being in community. And there is a sobering truth that even in our maturity, we know only in part. The fullness of life eludes us. And yet, here is medicine for all. Healing, freely offered, a prescription to cure the sin-sick soul. But it does not only come to us in words. After hearing this letter, the Corinthians likely continued their worship service with the Lord's Supper, just as we will in a few minutes. They called it the agape meal, the feast of loving fellowship. Christ's healing presence also comes from his holy table, where, as one of our ancient church fathers said, we gather breaking one and the same bread, which is the medicine of immortality and the antidote to prevent us from dying, but which causes that we should live forever in Jesus Christ. The medicine of immortality. A beautiful way to describe Holy Communion. Here we receive not only healing, but a continual assurance of everlasting life. This is, brothers and sisters, no ordinary medicine. 
This is not to be refused or taken lightly. For St. Paul said, As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We are here for a time of celebration and proclamation, for transformation and consolation. Jesus said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And so I ask you, are any of you sick? Are any of you in need of healing and the spiritual strength that is found in the medicine of immortality that is made possible by the love-filled sacrifice of Jesus Christ? If so, then come. Come and receive your medicine. For the great physician and doctor of our souls is in. And I invite you with these these words. Come on in the room. Come on in the room. Jesus is your doctor, and he writes out all of your prescriptions, and he gives you all of your medicine in this room. Come on in the room, come on in the room, Jesus is your doctor, and he gives out all of his prescriptions, and he's offering you his medicine in this room, amen.